0: You're listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. I'm Cecil Baldwin. Thanks for listening. The reviews. I, I hear the the few critics that there are who gripe about why do you pause so much? Why do you <laughs> break your sentences up like that? And, and I, I think to myself, well, this is probably somebody who's never experienced theater at all. You know, there's there's got to be some performance aspect to it. You know, mm-hmm. pausing after a really dark thought or, or right before you drop that one particular name, like those things matter. And mm. so delivery really has to be uh, something you care about. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors.
1: This is a special edition. <laughs> I'm trying to be spooky. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you. But that was that was. I'm sorry. Special. Carry on. Continue. Continue. Ooh, no! I don't. even... Why am I doing that? I don't even. I don't know. This isn't like a Halloween episode. <laughs> okay well we're here on the great and beautiful podcast We i tried to be cool and theme it with cool, i know
2: spooky I, music but... i ruined it by laughing at you i apologize
1: no it was funny it was it was it was silly anyway no one took me seriously but today is a is an awesome conversation a bit of a humbling conversation in some ways and we, <laughs> and we mentioned this before but we are talking to aaron menke from the podcast well not even just a podcast now it's like a Universe, uh, lore in this, you know, it's not just a podcast anymore, but <laughs> yeah, well,
2: it, it is. I mean, it started yes. as a podcast, and he's doing some live performances, which a lot of podcasts are doing. We, should, we mm-hmm. side note, Justin, let's do some live episodes.
1: Okay. Well, um, we tried, anyway, anyway, so
2: he, um. Yeah, we'll get into what lore is if you don't know in a second. Right, but he's also taking it; it's it's being adapted for television and books, so he is. It's becoming a little bit of an empire. Um, but but tell me, Justin, why was this a humbling conversation?
1: <laughs> well, um, Jamie informed me so nicely as he was doing his research that this podcast started wasn't the day before we started. I think it was uh, the day. Laura, we
2: were th- we we are three days older. So we started, I don't remember, older. it was like a Tuesday, oh, awesome. and he came in on a Friday or something.
1: Awesome. So we started around the same time, let's just say that. The same week. and same week. And he's doing a little bit, uh, a little tiny bit better. Just a little. Than, than ours. I'm...
2: <laughs> yeah, so we we both, both lore and the Great Big Beautiful Podcast began, we dropped our first episodes the very same week. Um and and uh, he sort of rocketed to the top ten of iTunes. <laughs> like, yeah. I think uh, I don't know if he was ever was in the top ten, but you know he's like top twenty is where he has reliably been for the last couple of years. Right. Um. And uh, he has you know millions of downloads and millions of followers, and he has the the cachet to turn his show in, it, it into a TV show and 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 re- put, turn it into books. Um, to his credit, though, he was already a published author before he began. He wrote mm-hmm. supernatural um, fiction and, and horror, I guess you could say. Um, and then he sort of took that uh, skill set and that that idea and mm-hmm. turned it into a show that, frankly, is just compelling listening. You know, he wrote it's it's when we talk about this, it's all about the storytelling, you know, and he just found the right stories to to. Mm-hmm. Grab hold of people and uh, it became incredibly, incredibly popular. And there's a reason. There's a reason. I mean, there are mm-hmm. some shows and we're not just talking podcasts, but let's, there are some things that are very popular that I have no idea why they're popular. Like I just don't get them <laughs> at all. Uh, but lore, I think deserves every, every ounce of, of success that it's gotten.
1: Right. Well, and, but, I mean, really what he's done is he's taken his, you know, he said he's a published author and he's taking that skill and turned it into a different medium and yeah. it's really connected with people on that front. And I, th- I think it's a really like a lot of the times you hear podcasts and it's just a bunch of. Schlubs like us sitting around a mic talking about things right like it's just people talking their opinions. Or... That sounds familiar. <laughs> and and f- to take something like a, a written story and put it into audio and you know do do it the delivery way that podcasts go, people can listen to it in the car. It's you know and it's free content for them. It's just, phew, I mean, it's a it's like a recipe for complete success, right? Yeah,
2: and he is he also I think. Maybe this was intentional, but you know, based on our conversation, where he's kind of like us, and he was—he's just been making it up as he goes. So it mm-hmm. might have just been, you know, dumb luck. But he stumbled into like a perfect length, I think, for the content that he provides. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of the episodes are just twenty to thirty minutes. Some of them even right. shorter, and they're just—they're like not really bite-sized, but they're like—they're just a, a really good length because mm-hmm. if 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 you don't like a particular story if it's just not doing it for you then you know it's you don't there's not there's not much longer before you get to the next one you know it's not like you're going to suffer through an hour and you know, i don't understand the podcasts who put out weekly like 2 hour episodes you know or or do a daily podcast because re- who got time for that you know like <laughs> as a listener Who has time to sit down every day and listen to a new podcast or who has time to sit down and listen to a two hour podcast of two schlubs talking? You know, I mean, like some of our episodes go over an hour and I feel bad for our audience, but that they only go over an hour when we have an amazing conversation. And I like to think that if you like that person, you're going to listen. If you don't like that Mm -hmm. person, you don't have to listen, you know, but so I don't understand the, the two hour podcasts, but Aaron with lore has really hit on it. Just a really good length
1: no exactly and and he's a fascinating person and you get to hear we interviewed him about you know how he creates and what he does so if you're a lore fan or you're just a fan of pod- podcast or storytelling anything like that you're gonna really like this so we're gonna go play it for you right now hope you enjoy
2: Aaron thank you so much for taking the time to chat it's uh, wonderful to have you pleasure to be here thanks for having me um, I guess I wanted to sort of go back to, uh, uh, the seeds of lore, if, if you will. So when you first hit on the idea and it first jumped into your mind and you said, I think this is going to be a really good idea. What led to your decision to turn it into a, a podcast specifically? Was there something about that format that you found compelling or was it just the easiest to enter? Like the, the, the lowest barrier to entry, I guess. <laughs> uh,
0: well, podcasting really is a low barrier, um, <laughs> medium for a lot of people. But for me, it was kind of like, um, it was kind of like stepping in onto, you know, a, a loose board and falling through into another room. Mistakenly, I didn't try to, I didn't try to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I'd actually started out, um, writing, uh, this thing that was going to be, uh, like just a record of great historical tales that I had bumped into in the process of writing my books. Um, so I was gathering, Uh, A few of my favorites together. I was calling this thing like my favorite New England myths my five favorite myths and uh, So I was writing these historical essays about these great um, You know just true life weird bizarre freaky stories that I was bumping into Uh, and I wrote four of them and I had planned to give it away as kind of an incentive for an email list, you know hey sign up and you can Mm -hmm. have this PDF and It just started. The word count got so big that I realized that reading this PDF on a mobile device wouldn't be friendly anymore, mm-hmm. and to me, that meant that it wasn't valuable. And so I, I gave up. I, I think I, you know, I just decided it wasn't worth my time. And besides, mm-hmm. who wants to learn about the history behind folklore, right? So. <laughs> right. Sure. Of course. Obviously, nobody. <laughs> uh, no, nobody at all. So I, I, I decided to throw it away. Literally, I, I clicked on the file and I dragged it to the trash can <sighs> on my desktop, and. Uh, there's this moment where, like, you can you picture some movie director filming this, and I paused and I thought, you know, I, I wouldn't blame anybody for not wanting to read this in a PDF, but I read a lot in audiobook. That's how I get books into my brain. Right. So, um, you know, maybe I could just try reading one of these into a microphone. I had a microphone. Why not, Why not just give it a try? Um, so I did that. I recorded one of them. Sent it to a friend and said, uh, what, do you, "What do you think about this? If I did like a zip folder of five of these, would you would you give me your email address for this?" And he said, "No, don't don't do that. It, <laughs> this is a podcast," um, which I thought was hilarious because a yeah. podcast was you know it's an interview show like this or it's a <laughs> yeah. a panel discussion about you know movie trailers and not, you know iPhone updates. And yeah, stuff.
2: right. Um, so yeah, I kind of kind of fell into it accidentally. That kind of blows my mind that you were willing like. Like you said, the word count had gotten so high. So obviously it took some time and some effort to write all that yeah. down. And it kind of blows my mind that you were willing to just trash it. I can't trash anything that I write, no matter how bad it is. <laughs> I'm hanging yeah. on to it because there could be something there that I'd I'd want to come back to later and, and, and draw out into something else. Yeah.
0: I, for the most part, I am a save all the parts of the chicken kind of writer. Like yeah. I, you know, if I'm writing an episode and I decide that there's a whole two paragraphs that just don't work for the flow, I don't delete them. I just cut them out and paste them at the end of the episode. So I've got them saved in the document somewhere. Yeah. Um, But this all happened at a time when I was I was very frustrated with with just the whole prospect of writing. You know, I wasn't I was spending a lot of time creating stuff that wasn't going anywhere. And I I had to make this decision whether it was going to be, you know, do do I spend more time on on a on a thing that won't pay off Mm -hmm. or should I pour more of myself into my day job, which was freelance graphic design? right and uh, i think that was the moment where i just decided i i just need to give up i'm gonna i'm gonna quit writing you know oh, man. and uh, i was i was just about there yeah. so
2: <laughs> and, and man if that's not an inspiration to to people who are yeah. at that moment in their in their lives right now i don't know what it is because they're all i mean that's a that's a wall that every not just writer, but almost every creative person will run up against at some point, you know, the, the, whether yeah. it's because of, um, you know, internal frustration or writer's block or, or rejections there, you know, you're going to come to that point where you're like, why am I doing this? And I, I, I think absolutely. I just need to give it up and focus on what's paying the bills. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely a, and and now here we are. And I mean, and it's, it's a runaway success. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, when you talk about the show now, How much research would you say on average goes into every episode? Well, you know, so it's evolved
0: a lot since those first few episodes. The, um, I mean, if you listen to the very first episode, it's short, there's a little bit less structure to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've learned over time how I need to build these, not only to tell a good story, but also to, to, you know, teach the right contextual material along the way so that the story makes sense. Um, nailing down a time for research is tricky now because at the end of last summer, I brought on a research assistant and she, she does a lot of the early legwork for me. She'll go read, you know, as much as she can on the topic and she'll outline material for me, give me a list of sources. Uh, and that helps me stay focused instead mm-hmm. of chasing, you know, oh, look at this new thing. And and then, you know, following that topic and realizing that now I'm way off track, I, yeah. I have an outline that, you know, I, I kind of know where the story will go. And then I need to you know, read as much of the source material as I can. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm probably putting in, you know, 20 hours of of my own reading of the research, reading the source material, plotting out the beats of the episode. Uh, and then I sit down and write.
1: Yeah. So where do the stories come from?
0: I've got this black box in the corner of my <laughs> office. Um, <laughs> and I, I put in parts of a goat and outcome. Story ideas. Pretty, I love that. A little messy. Does it work? Does um, that really work? No, no. I, I, I just I've got this box of rotting goat parts, um, which, which is a great analogy for the stuff I create. Um, you know, I, I started out with a few stories from this original collection of essays that I was going to do, the, the four stories. Um, but, you know, right now I'm writing episode number 62. And, and so that's obviously used up all of that original material. Um, but I have, you know, I've got this intuition that I just try to follow and um, I dig into the topics that are interesting and compelling to me. A lot of times I'll be researching one episode and bump into mm-hmm. um, things that are that doors that open into bigger rooms than I should explore in that one episode. So I might save that for another one and come back and 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 find a way to, to create that into an, an entertaining story. Um, yeah. But again, it just all comes down to my gut, just trusting those little tickles in the back of the brain that say go that way or go this way
2: i I was gonna say because i I would have to imagine in the research that goes into any particular story or 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 legend or folklore that um like you said you know you're gonna you're gonna find oh you know it's gonna branch out into unexpected directions and maybe you'll come up with three or four other episodes out of just that one episode's research but you know like you said you're in you're in the 60s now so Is it becoming more difficult to come up with original stories or or, or what you would consider good ideas that you'd want to put on the show than what maybe was back when you were, like, doing episode 22?
0: Well, when I first started out the show, I thought that I would I would do more of, like, the origin story behind a really high level folklore archetype or, or superstition archetype, you know. So in in that sense, there'd only be one vampire episode ever, right? right? There'd only be one werewolf episode ever touching on those, those big topics and and digging in deep one time. But what I learned was that it's not just one thing that feeds into these common fears or superstitions we have. There's lots of parallel stories that have their own nuances and their own flavors. And then I can, you know, I can come back to the topic and I can tell another story that fits that. So, um, that that's been helpful. Um, but the best part about history is that there's just so much of it. You know, I, I think as long as listeners are willing to, to trust me, you know, that, that my intuition's leading me to good stuff, um, I'm going to be able to keep bringing in entertaining stories for a very long time. That's the that's the beauty of our our dark history as human beings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so do you have much of a backlog with respect to content for future episodes or do you just start fresh every week?
0: Um, I, I write ahead. I don't like to write under pressure. I don't feel like that's, right. I I mean, this is, this is, it's not just the way I make a living. This is my career now. You know, I, lore is more than a podcast. And, um, in some ways it's kind of like an enterprise and, um, I, I just can't get to that point where I'm writing under pressure. And I think I have to have this done in two days so I can record it so I can release it in four months. Like I, I can't do that. So, yeah. um, You know, episode number 58 will come out on Monday in just a few days. And I'm currently writing 62. That's probably the slimmest my buffer has gotten. Um, It's usually five or six episodes. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm traveling more these days. I've got more responsibilities. And um, I had a live show last week that I had to prep for. So sometimes I I use up the buffer and sometimes I I bank more in there. So over the next two or three weeks, I'm going to be banking a lot more. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> as long as the words flow. Obviously.
2: <laughs> we definitely know what that's like. I mean, we're not obviously we're not scripted. We don't require that much research. I mean, we research guests, and so we can ask you know hopefully yeah. insightful questions. But I mean, we we I don't think we're spending as much time in front of the keyboard <laughs> as you are for your episodes. But yeah, having that buffer is definitely nice. I mean, there when yeah. we when we get we generally try to stay like four to five weeks ahead, and that it's yeah. nice because especially when you're working on an interview show like this, we're working around other people's schedules. So I mm-hmm. we can totally relate to having the buffer. and when it gets down to like two weeks out and you on, you only have enough for like two the next two yeah. weeks, I kind of enter panic mode. so <laughs>
1: yeah you,
0: and, and and the panic mode makes it harder for you to solve problems yeah. Yeah. and and plan out what's the best angle for this piece I'm writing. And I, I want the freedom to be able to say, you know what? This session right now sucks, and I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go swim or um, You know eat buffalo wings or whatever it is that's gonna help me crack this thing and and that's the beauty of At least what I do is I, I spend so much time researching and then reading the material that even when I'm not at my computer my brain in the background is it's churning through the material and and you know if you shake it enough all the all the balls tend to fall into the the proper holes and um, sometimes I just need to walk away and, and, and give it time. So yeah. the buffer allows me to have the freedom to do that. If I, if I couldn't do that, then, you know, I'd, I'd have those panicky moments too, where I say, you know, crap, what am I going to do? Yeah. And um, they do nobody so, any good. No, they don't do <laughs> no, me
2: listeners. So, so far so good. Excellent. Um, this probably is going to come across as you know an obnoxiously vague and general question. Question, sort of like like where do your ideas come from that all writers will eventually get. But from your perspective, having done this now, you know you've written novels. You you're you're writing the podcast, which is much more condensed than a novel, but you're still telling a complete story. When you sit down to write, or you've got the idea and you're starting to script it out and pace the story, what is the key? For you to telling a great story that's going to really grab the listener or the reader or whoever's you know consuming that story. I have absolutely no, no idea. That's the best answer you could possibly <laughs> um, <laughs> give. I
0: mean, honestly, I I'm making this up as I go along. Aren't we um, all? And again, it it comes back to my gut, my intuition. I mean, I I think everybody assumes that people who are at the top of their game are not experiencing that imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, when they somebody's going to find out I'm just making this up as I go (laughs) along. And I, that's, yeah, I don't, I don't think stories should have a formula. I think things like, um, you know, the story arc, um, that, that Joseph Campbell lays out that a lot of writers try to mirror. I think that's great. It's, it's neat to, to boil things down and say, this is when it usually works. But Mm -hmm. I think when you, when you sit down and say, well, well then here's the structure for a story. Let me write around that. You you get something kind of sterile and, um, and lifeless, and um, I mean it's it's Frankenstein at that point. You're just assembling pieces of a corpse, and th- there needs to be something else that animates that. And so I tend to lean on, I don't know, just my gut feelings about, you know, is that a compelling, is that a compelling transition between these sections? Is mm-hmm. that, is that a note that I want to end this thing here on, or um, have I have I pushed them too far into some heavy stuff for too long, and we need to step aside with a moment of humor, or um, You know, yeah, it's a change of subject of some kind. I I, I couldn't write a manual on this. Um, yeah. So. I
2: mean, ultimately, does it come down to, you know, does it am I entertained by this? Do I find this interesting? And if I do, then eh, probably somebody else is going to also. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think that also, you know, what
0: what makes a great story is the fact that you've sat down and planned it out, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Granted that there's there's the debate between people who are, you know, they call them pantsers people who write on the seat of their pants and oh, people right. who Who are plotters? They they like to outline I like to outline so I'm a fan of planning. I just like I think that I think any podcast is a storytelling podcast whether it's an interview or a panel discussion or a movie review or whatever or Something as obvious as mine, which is pure storytelling. Um, I think everything is storytelling. You're still trying to lead the listener from point A to point B and to do it in a way that entertains them and I, so I think any podcast should be approached with with care and planning and thought into that journey not just hey let's show up and you know we'll mm-hmm. do it right yeah. and I, I've I've taken part in a lot of that stuff in the past you know before Lore I, I still had some podcast experience and there's a, there's a lot of that that goes around where you know two, two white dudes just show up and drink a beer on a microphone while they well, they shoot the breeze, and that's that's not a planned journey. You know, that's a yeah. That's that's a a, a planned recording of a conversation. And I don't know <laughs> if I if I'm if I'm going to call that story. So,
1: <laughs> so mu- music plays a really crucial role in your podcast. Do you have a process for identifying the perfect sound for each episode?
0: Well, you know, music is is it's one part of this larger theory that I have about storytelling. Um, see, if I want to lead listeners into Like uncomfortable territory down a dark hallway kind of you know Mm -hmm. with the story Mm -hmm. Uh, there are things um, You know things can get tense. They can get frightening. They can get um, maybe a little hard to bear and um, In process and that's when I need to do things to help coax them along with me because I think their brain starts to say no I don't want to go to where you're going, you know, if we start talking about HH Holmes in the basement of (laughs) His murder mansion a lot of people I think their brains just want to walk away So music is one of the things that helps, um, set an atmosphere and a tone, but so is humor. You know, I think it's, it's all about disarming the listener, um, giving them elements that feel familiar and comfortable so that the non-comfortable stuff is, is more acceptable. Helping them feel, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's like holding their hand and, and, and telling them it's going to be okay at the same time while I'm leading them down a dark tunnel toward (laughs) the nest of monsters, you know, um, If I just told the story, if I just came in there and just laid out all the gory details and was sterile about it, I don't think it would have the same effect. So, you know, music, humor, tone of voice, the atmosphere in general, I think it all kind of has to, has to gel right. And every episode has a different personality. So I have to sit down after recording the dialogue and I have to plan that out. I have to think, you know, what's my mood on this? What's Mm. my, what's my tone? Yeah. So it's, it's an art and it's one of those things like the writing that I just kind of, I just kind of trust my
2: gut on. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned tonal voice, and that also is sort of—it's um, what gives lore sort of its special um, voice, I guess, for lack of a better term. Is you know the <laughs> yeah. when your narrate, your narration style, so like the cadence of your voice, the you know the dramatic pauses, the use of of co- of comedy and humor and deadpan dry humor when it, when the situation warrants it. Do you think that that's something that that came natural to you, or was that you know did you was it really awkward for you when you first started out and like just talking into a microphone, and thinking what am I doing? This 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 does not feel right at all. Um, well, I think
0: this falls back into the I'm making it up as I yeah, go long category. You know, learning to learning to deliver. See, it's about learning to deliver the written word as audio. Yeah. Um, and and that's so that's different. So like, if you write a lot for. A print or a website or you know some form of document that's meant to be read with your eyes I think you write in a different style Mm -hmm. Um, but absolutely yeah but the the final product for me even though I'm putting it on page first is gonna be spoken and so you know I think storytellers have to speak differently they have to write differently they have to they have to think about how the words will sound when they come out of their mouth and so sometimes i'll mumble to myself while i'm writing i'll, I'll say a phrase over and over again and say no 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 that's not smooth enough i have mm-hmm. to I have to rewrite that so it, I, my tongue can manage it better
2: yeah
0: um you know that's one of
2: the
0: you know one of the tasks that i have with the tv show is you know making sure that dialogue is a lot more natural and and flows um yeah. but you know um yeah, I, I think storytellers are, are, are a unique breed. I, in a sense, they have to speak differently than in an interview show like this or in a tech podcast with, you know, a panel of guests. Um, cause this isn't a spur of the moment thing. I think storytelling, the, at least the oral storytelling that I'm trying to engage in, I think it's kind of performance, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, and I, you know, I mean, I read the reviews. I, I hear the, the few critics that there are who gripe about why do you pause so much? Why do you break your sentences up like that? and, and, uh, I think to myself, well, this is probably somebody who's never experienced theater at all. And right. and I've never been a theater person per se, but you know, there's, there's gotta be some performance aspect to it, you know, mm-hmm. pausing after a really dark thought or, or right before you drop that one particular name, like those things matter. And mm. so delivery really has to be uh, something you care about and it won't be for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I think some people want to turn on a podcast and just hear normal people talking in a normal way, but yeah. Oral storytelling is't one of those things?
2: Yeah but it's also there's nothing for me at least there's nothing that pulls me out of whatever the content is faster than somebody who's reading and it obviously is reading from a page and it sounds like they're right. reading um, yeah. you know it doesn't sound conversational and it doesn't sound um, spur of the moment it doesn't sound like it's even a performance it just sounds like they're reading off a page and that instantly that pulls me out I, I can't yeah. I can't concentrate on whatever it is that that person is saying yeah Uh, um you you've mentioned lots of different podcasts um or different podcast types are you are you a listener or or do you just sort of do your own thing
0: well you know part of it is time you know i i spend so much time writing and when i write i can't listen to other people talk and when i'm recording obviously i can't do that or or producing so um it's in the the other moments that I, i try to listen to things but i think finding a podcast is a lot like finding a Romantic partner, you know, there are tons <laughs> of choices out there um, But very few of them connect with you deeply, right? Um, so my recommendations wouldn't fit all a lot of other people, but you know, I look for shows that are well thought out um, that are um, You know, they take you on a journey whether it's through learning a topic or through storytelling, you know, I love 99% invisible mm. from Roman Mars. I mean who who doesn't love what Roman makes um, and I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years and, and I, I love the care that he puts into it. He's, he's as genuine as you'd expect him to be. And I, and I feel like that comes through in the storytelling that he and his crew do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one of my like little cheats is, um, Adam Savage from the Mythbusters. He has a sure. podcast through tested.com tested, yeah. called still Untitled, And that's the spur of the moment. Everybody just talking in a round table, sometimes with really bad audio quality. Cause <laughs> they're all in different parts of the country, but it's, it's one of those podcasts that ticks all those boxes for me. They talk about making, they talk about storytelling and movies and prop replicas, and you know it's fun. Yeah, um, I, I you know an interview show. Um, yeah, I I think I think that 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 gets by. Um, and then when I have time, uh, I I try to catch up on what's new and hot, and you know give them a listen, things yeah. like that. But honestly, at this point, I just. I barely have time to yeah. think. <laughs> Who has the time? We
2: we say the same thing. You know, I mean, we, we, we do a weekly show and people always ask, you know, like, what do you guys listen to? And I was like, quite honestly, I don't. Like, there's maybe like two <laughs> or three shows that I'll listen to when I have time. But I'm not a religious podcast listener. And it probably comes across in the way that we do our show, that we don't really know what we're doing either. But, like, we I don't listen to that many podcasts. Yeah. Just I don't have the time. It's quite well, honestly. It's, you know,
0: it's a... It's a double-edged sword. I mean, if you listen to a lot of them, you you have the benefit of of picking up nuances and oh, I mean, boy, listen to the way he did that transition on that. That was really well done. I yeah. need to try that out, you know. But at the same time, um, you could always just end up sounding like everybody else, yep. you know. And I mean, look at all the serial knockoffs that are in the iTunes exactly. store. And and while they're they're trying to meet a very thirsty need of people, really want true crime. Um, it, you know, you listen to a serial enough, and you can. You can mimic the techniques and the style and 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 pump out a clone and and people are going to listen to it because they they can only listen to so many episodes of serial and then it's all done yeah (laughs) um so you know i i i I think i just err on the side of i'm not going to fill my head with everybody else's podcast because i want to make something original sure Uh, yeah
1: (laughs) so have you had any major technical disasters do you have any experience (laughs) stories for us
0: uh, every week, every week is a technical disaster um, because because the theme of this episode here is that I'm making this up as I go along. So um, yeah, episode one is is my worst technical uh, disaster. You know, I, I used to record my podcast with my Yeti microphone. Nothing wrong with a Yeti. It's a good if you want to get into podcasting. It's a great mic to grab and, and test things out. You know, ninety nine bucks. You can usually get it cheaper on Amazon. Yeah. Um, episode one. Through seven, I recorded with that microphone on a cardboard box on my desk, right between my mouth and the glass monitor of my computer. So anything that I said, the sound waves just they flew right past back. the microphone, hit that glass screen, and bounced back. And then to top it all off, my office is in the eaves of our house. All the walls are angular, they're horsehair <laughs> plaster because it's old <laughs> New England. I have hardwood floors, and I decorated the place with hard wooden IKEA furniture. So there's just no softness in, there wasn't yeah. in this office. Um, so early, early episodes, I really had to do a lot with like noise reduction and echo because they were a mess. It was not recording well. Every time I put my arm down on the desk, you'd hear it through the, yep. like, it would vibrate the box to the mic and then it would pick it up. So, um, I've, I've changed a lot of that just out of sure embarrassment. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I put that out. Were the
2: things uh, that you did to to fix those mistakes and to not do them again, was that just trial and error? Or did you did you actually yeah. like Google solutions and try to ask other people what they did? Or did you just say, well, that didn't work. I'm not going to do that again. Well, I mean, early on, I didn't
0: know any podcasters to ask. I didn't know, yeah. you know, I would just I, I'd pick up on anecdotal information. You know, I would hear that, you know, I'd see that Nate DeMeo from the memory palace has got a basically a blanket fort, you know, over top of him and his computer. And he's recording in there. And I, was, I, I would think, why does that work? Like, yeah. I don't know anything about the science behind audio, so I'd have to dissect what people were doing and say, why is that an effective solution? Why is going in your closet and closing the door and, and recording with your clothes there? Why, why does that work? Yeah. And, and uh, basically what it, it's come down to is I think that if you can if if you can re- record at a good enough audio quality, and you don't need a really expensive mic to do that. You just need a mic and good software. Um, and if you can record in a place where the echo goes killed off or minimized um -hmm. those are the best things you can do and some people you know they do it between two mattresses you know that are you know like a teepee or and and, sometimes they'll they'll drape blankets around and you know you do whatever fits your your workspace your environment some people and they have to record in different places all the time and i i can't wrap my head around how they you know how they plan for that um but thankfully i've got a, a dedicated space where i can just you know set my thing up and then
2: and then use it when i need to we're still doing everything wrong but it's okay <laughs> you know, Mike, that's how you learn, that's how you, learn. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the tv show i'm not sure how much you can say about it but can you at least touch on some of the similarities and differences between the podcast and the show
0: yeah i can't say much um and that's that's a, a you know a gag from the studio there yeah. but um you know Here's the, here's the important thing that I think fans wanna, they wanna hear. I, I want to hear. I want lore listeners to turn on the TV show and feel like they're home. You mm-hmm. know? I want them to feel like, yep, this is the lore I know and love. Uh, and the plan we have, the team that we have in place, I mean, all of it, it's, it's incredible. It's creating that, that exact feeling of familiarity that we want. Yeah. So, you know, just like the podcast, the TV show will be anthology style. Each episode is a self-contained story. Um, no season long plot or, you know, recurring main characters. You know, every episode is, is a reset button, which means the real main characters have to be something different than the actors and actresses. It has to be the atmosphere and the storytelling and mm-hmm. the style and all of that. And um, that's, that's probably about all I could say, that's but it's you say. um you know, like they're, and they're making it and it, I'm seeing pictures and um, I'm going to try to get myself to, to go at some point, just to, because I'm doing so much of this remotely, yeah. especially living in Boston, and, and a lot of it happening in, in um, you know, the Hollywood kind of the time zone. And yeah. uh, it's, it's hard to not be near it, but, um, I, you know, it's been a learning process, too, learning how to, learning how to read a, a screenplay and, yeah. and contribute and things like that. Um, but it's, it's going to be great. I mean, the team we've got assembled, the, you know, the producers of The Walking Dead, are, they, 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 won't, they won't take crap. Like, they, they want the best. <laughs> They want to put out the best stuff that there is, and uh, and Glenn Morgan, who's our showrunner, I and mean, he he's been with the X Files since the, the beginning, and yeah. uh, he knows how to build a great creepy story. Um, yeah, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Y- y-
2: your answer might be no comment since you already just said that's about all you can say. But can, is <laughs> is it going to be dramatized or is it going to be more of a documentary approach with a narrator or other? Yes. It's, it's, it's a mix. It's a, what we're
0: calling it is a, I don't think there's any any show that's tried this before, but it's essentially like high quality, dramatic retellings of these stories okay. with a cast. Um, so don't think like, like the history channel documentary reenactments that none of <laughs> them right. has dialogue. They're just they're terrible reenactments. They go around and do stuff. Yeah. 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 They're, they're in period clothes that look like they're off the, yep. off the shelf. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah to the, so this is this is like live high quality feature film level reenactment that's like a drama okay. and then elements that break that up to provide just like the podcast does get that context in there get the the added details the richness the depth teach you something that will come in handy
2: in a few minutes that kind of thing sure okay um you're you're also turning it into a book um, or a series books. of a book. yeah, yeah. Say, or yeah. a series of books um, can can you talk about those at all? I mean, it's gotta be creatively, I would say it's gotta be a challenge, although that might be putting it nicely. I mean, you, because you're trying to tell the same type of stories in three different media at the same time.
0: Well, you know, here's the thing. So, so lore is story. It's mm-hmm. about story. And I know people, they love Different elements of what I create some people love the scary bits some people love the history You know some people hate it when I do a cryptid episode and some people love it Some people hate it when I do a you know a true crime Slash bio on a you know bizarre serial killer and Mm -hmm. some people just they love that but at the end of the day story is the king uh, in in lore land Um, And then the other thing to keep in mind is that every medium whether it's print or audio or video every medium is different and each one has unique storytelling tools that the others don't Uh, and and those are tools the writer can lean on so you know we talk about things like the the oral performance of of doing a podcast like mine and how i will pause and i will highlight certain words by the way that i talk that's something that i can't do in a printed form Mm -hmm. because you can't how do you put a pause i mean what do you do a line break it doesn't it doesn't work right um you can write kind of so that people feel like you're talking to them, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's still printed word. Um, Audio shows can't show visuals. You know, I can't, I can't tell my podcasters to just look at the screen and see something, but TV can do that. So, um, everything has its pros and its cons. Um, so all of this, my expansion of lore into all these different mediums, it's about finding new ways to tell the stories. Um, to see how one particular medium can excel where another one you know, can't. So just because I can't pause dramatically with printed word doesn't mean that print is inferior. It just means that I have to find what are its unique tools. And mm-hmm. the printed page is actually a pretty amazing canvas you know, to see um, what you can add in that doesn't break the flow of the story, but adds to the story and accents it and helps create the mood where now I've lost audio I make the mood in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the you know the book series will take story you know which is the centerpiece of all these different mediums and just give it a unique book related uh treatment Um, and like you said that's about all i can say (laughs) but i I think this is like the book series it's very ironic too right because i started all of this in an effort to sell more novels right and um and almost gave up on writing and made this audio show that's become a video show and now at the end of the day i've got to major publishing deal with you know one of the biggest publishers <laughs> out there and and that's it's pretty damn awesome yeah so, i would say um and and i think that what people are going to get like my publishers care about the presentation and they really care we've had lots of great discussions about how this thing is going to look and feel and you know it's not like you're just going to buy paperback off the shelf it's this is special this is the kind of book that you give somebody for christmas and they hug you and and you know we want the next one for next Christmas or whatever it happens to be, whatever that schedule turns out to be. But I think lore fans are going to love it.
2: Awesome. I know I'm looking forward to it. Um, Do you still find time to write fiction or is it just, it's all lore all the time at this point?
0: That's what it is right now. No fiction right now for me, but um, I think there'll be a day when I have a bit more time. I mean, no TV show lasts forever and, and that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, after however many seasons you're ready to move on and, um, I, no podcast lasts forever either, mm-hmm. so um uh, if when I find the time, I'm certainly going to dip back into fiction. Yeah. Um, I've got my hands full right now, but I love making things up and writing them down, not just you know like digging into other people's stories and and retelling them yeah uh, so I, I I'm looking forward to that there's some there's some one of my books I want to get back to and write a, a sequel to there's um, you know other ideas that I just keep filing away for stuff that
2: that i when I have the time, I can do it. Not enough hours in the day, huh. Nope, not at all. When you get a certain level of success, um, I think it's only natural that people are going to come knocking on your door uh, asking for advice. Um, And I I can see it just in your interactions with listeners on Twitter. Um, You know, a lot of people ask, you know, probably ask most commonly, like, what do you use? How did you get started? What's your equipment? How do you record? Um, But, you know, people ask you for all kinds of advice. Um, and to your credit, you have a, a pretty healthy, as so it seems to me, a pretty healthy back and forth with listeners, um, which is great from, you know, the outsider's perspective that you're so accessible. Um, but what I wanted to ask was it's it's never been easier. Like you said, there's this mm-hmm. the bar to entry for podcasting is pretty low um, and it's never been easier to sort of just go out and do your own thing and create content and try to find your audience. Uh, and there's people doing that on a daily basis, just, just throwing stuff out there to see what works and what doesn't. But at the same time, because there are so many people doing that, it's really difficult to find an audience. You know, it's, it's harder to find that audience and remain, um, relevant or to, you know, get at the forefront of, you know, get in front of people's eyeballs than it is to just create for the sake of creating. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have to imagine, like you said, you know, you, you, you were at the point of giving up writing when when you decided to make a shift and, and, and start the podcast. But I have to imagine that a lot of the people who are out there doing vlogs or blogs or writing or photography or whatever it is that they're doing. Eventually, they're going to hit that wall. They're going to get frustrated and they're going to end up just walking away and they're going to walk away from some fantastic content, f- some f- fantastic work and art that they're creating.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So what. I mean, what advice would you give to those people who are reaching that point and saying, God, I I think what I'm doing is really good, but just nobody's listening or nobody's watching or I can't get anybody to pay attention. So I think it's time to give it up.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. It is because it's like there's a, a massive crowd of people all running for one tiny exit. Right. You know, and only so many people can fit through at a time. And and that's not because things are elite or there's a gatekeeper. It's just I think the. I think consumers, like people, even us, who want to, like, I can only fit one Netflix show in at a time that I want to binge. You know, I can only, <laughs> only read one book at a time. So it's always this competition for the attention of people. Thankfully, with podcasting, one of the things I've I've learned is, um, n- nobody just subscribes to one show. Right? right? They subscribe to half a dozen or a dozen. Some people have dozens of podcasts they subscribe to. It depends on your lifestyle and how much listening time you have. Uh, me, I, I don't subscribe to a lot because I don't have a lot of listening time. Right. But I. I think that 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 should offer hope to people who want to say succeed in podcasting because you're not competing with serial you know you're not competing with town or you know this American life or whatever you're you just you need to get your show out there, and those people that listen to those other shows might also have time to listen to yours like so that's that's pretty hopeful yeah um but yeah, there are lots of mediums out there today that have Little to no barrier to entry and it's not just podcasting. I mean, you can publish your own novels right away If you want you can you can make a film you can produce your own video content put it on Vimeo or YouTube Start monetizing like you can you can do a lot of these things with with no gatekeepers nobody telling you no. You can just do it. And of course if you own a mic Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Got some free software. Um, If You've got a Mac. You've got GarageBand on there. I still use GarageBand um and you can, you can make a podcast. My audio needs are so slim. I don't need multiple tracks and things like that. I've just got my voice and background music. But yeah. you know, the, I don't think the tools, here's, this is, this is the, the, the thing though. Tools don't entitle anyone to success. Right. And, and this is a hard lesson for people to hear. And most people hate me for saying it. And, I, and I, I sometimes gripe on this on Twitter. But just because you love the thing that you're making and you think it's the best thing in the world, it's, it's not up to you it's it's the audience it's the consumer the people who who see or read or hear it those are the people that to decide if it's great and and it's a really hard lesson to hear but like you can't just go out there and force people to like your stuff and 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 tell them but i think it's great it's the best thing in the world but you know what if it doesn't resonate with them then then -hmm. you've built entertainment for yourself and if you're happy with that, that's great. But if you want to make people happy, you have to listen to feedback and criticism and, and adjust. Ultimately I think though it's it's just about your goals.
2: Yeah. I well, think for the I, things that you create. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of yeah. the frustration that uh, people especially, you know, with podcasting or blogging or vlogging, it's it's they they are looking to get, get such a, a quick and big return financially. Yeah. You know, they yeah. they see shows, you know, like yours or like Nerdist or like, you know, NPR does. I yeah, can't really count those, but like the, you know, like Mark Maron, you know, they, where they're just guys talking. You know, and it's yeah. and it's they see that they're way say, up can in, do that. way up in the charts and say, I can do that. And they're probably yeah. making millions. And I, I want my piece of the pie. And then they start it and five episodes in, they're not making millions and <laughs> they get really frustrated. Yeah, it happens.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, they're every show, ha- every successful show has copycats and those copycats will stick around for a little while. And then they they give up because, you know, success didn't come knocking on their door. Mm-hmm. And. It's hard, you know, I think you have to you have to adjust your goals I think that if, if it is to be a commercial success and support yourself with your art that That's a really steep hill to climb Sure. But if your goal is to find joy through the process, you know to learn to get better at the thing that you're doing uh, And to make something you love no matter what other people think then You know, that's a great noble aim and I, I realize that doesn't pay the bills, you yeah. know, and happiness isn't something you can take to the bank, but um, <laughs> you know aim for creating for the sake of creating that's the fuel that creators run on right it's not fame it's mm-hmm. it's it's making something that resonates with people so i think that people if they want advice just don't you just, don't set your heart on anything more than that and then um that way your tank won't run dry and when you do hear that knock on the door that something big is happening you, you've worked hard for it
2: yeah god hear, here that's got that's good advice and not enough people are saying that i think yeah um I mean, we, you may have touched on this, but, you know, from, from the outside, you look at something like lore, you know, it looks like it was an out of the gate success that it came from nowhere. And, you know, three, <laughs> three years in, you know, you're top of the charts and you're turning it into a TV show and you're turning it into a book and, 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 you know, who knows what else that you can't even talk about, but, um, I know that it was the end of a, well, not the end, but it's the, where you are now. It's the result of a, of a long, long road and a lot of work. And you've, I saw somewhere you described it as a quote, uh, winding trail of failures. Um, <laughs> and so I'm just wondering if, you know, looking back for you, is there one piece of, of advice or one most important lesson that you learned that you learned? Well, you know, first I talking about those failures, I view every
0: one of those failures as a learning experience. They're not a waste of time. I picked up skills with each one, you know, a skill here, a skill there. Um and and you don't lose those things. They all go into this e- ephemeral tool bag that you've got in your in your brain and in your soul. And and one day you find yourself building something and it the thing that you're building feels new and foreign, but you look in your bag and it turns out that you've got all the raw skills you need right there. So these failures are important because they equip you for future successes, you know, and, and success is about a mixture of things that you can control like practice and perseverance and, you know, bettering your technique and your audio quality, things like that. And it's also about things that you can't control, like the dumb luck of the right people discovering your content. You know, when a, when a, a History Channel show producer bumped into my podcast back about month number five and decided that he absolutely loved it. But I didn't do anything to make that happen. Yeah. You know, and then he <laughs> reached out to me and conversations began, and here we are. Um, it's the mix of the controllables and the uncontrollables. And I, sometimes I tell people it's like flying a kite, you know, you need to run. And you need to have your kite ready, which all, all of those things you can control, mm-hmm. but you need the wind and and you can't control that. You can take your kite out to the park on a dead day and nothing's going to happen no matter how hard you try. Because there are some uncontrollables that come into the equation.
1: Yeah.
0: And and I'm really aware, because I've lived this a lot of my life, that, that a lot of people work really hard. They work as hard as me or harder and they never catch the wind. And I've been there and man, that's that's depressing. It's discouraging. Um, so I do, I wake up every day, very grateful, uh, that I get to do this for a living. Mm. But what I tell people is don't let up, you know, working hard every day. Isn't something that, that ever goes away. If you want to, if you want to get that kite up in the air, eventually you just have to keep running and hoping that eventually someday that perfect breeze is coming along and and it's going to, it's going to take off. Um, but you can't just expect the breeze to come into your house and lift the kite up for you. It's not going to do all the work right you you right. have to you have to tweak the controllables and and then the controllables the uncontrollables um they're they're yeah they're going to happen that's such
2: that is such a beautiful analogy it just and it's 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 perfect it really is and it's such it puts it into perspective and it really makes you think about. You know, like, OK, today's today's is no breeze. You know, I, I did. I tried my hardest. I did what I could. But, you know, maybe yeah. tomorrow, maybe tomorrow there'll be wind. Yeah. Do what you can do what you can manage and
0: then just be ready for the stuff that that you aren't expecting, but you hope. Right. You just yeah. you're ready for it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Um, So I've read in interviews uh, where you were asked what you do and you said husband and father first, it was the first thing before you said about the podcast. So we're, we're part of Geek Dad, so fatherhood is very important to us. How much of your family life shapes what you do? Oh, man, all of it.
0: I, um, I, look, I, I've got a TV show in production. People mm-hmm. say I've got a hit podcast. It all depends on how you look at it. I've got <laughs> this book deal. I never work weekends. And it's not like this weird, like, Tim Ferriss, I only work four hours a week kind of thing. I work my tail off during the week. But my weekends are for my family. I put my phone away in the evening from dinner until the kids go to bed. Um, I write and record and I tour and all that so I can have this solid quality time with my family when I'm at home. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, I, the best part about doing this is how stories become this centerpiece of our family. You know, my kids have spent so much time around me knowing that I write and I tell stories and they spend so much of their day reading books. Their, their reading skills are light years ahead of their peers. And, um, and so they like it comes out of them. They they have to create. They they're frequently writing their own stories, which is fantastic. Hmm. My oldest, she's she's eight. She'll take printer paper, like three or four sheets, and she'll fold it in half and staple yeah. it on the spine. And then she'll <laughs> she'll do things like draw her picture on the back and write a little bio of herself on the back, because that's what books have. Right. They've got sure. an author picture and bio and then she'll draw a cover and then and she'll start writing the book. And, you know, it's it's just really cool to see how the, this value of story has has yeah. become a thing in our family and uh, we're, we're all readers and I think as they get older these kids are gonna they're gonna maybe they're gonna turn out to be writers who knows I'm not gonna force them but but right now they're in love with it and yeah. so fun this thing that I do it allows me to make time for my family and it's kind of influencing them at the same time
2: yeah that's amazing it's awesome I love I love hearing stories about that when kids get all creative. My daughter's also eight. Yeah. She does the same thing. She makes little books, illustrates them, and she just has a ball doing it. And it's like, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier, you know, watching than watching her just create like that. You know, so yeah, it's amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, one of the things we did this last year for Christmas is my girls, they both wrote stories of their own. The older one wrote a longer story with more detail, as you'd expect. Um, and then we formatted them nice and big so I could put them on my iPad and I brought them each up individually to my studio and had them. Narrate their own audiobooks, oh, and then wow. we recorded them, and, and I, I produced them with music and packaged them up and gave them to the grandparents for oh, Christmas. That's such so a good they idea. This little, this little storytelling, um, you know, introduction. They they get to stand in front of the mic and, and hear yeah. what it's like to talk.
2: Oh, oh okay. cool. I bet you they they probably had a ball. They loved it, didn't oh, they? Oh, they loved Yeah, it. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Um, before we let you go, so Laura is now. It's in its third year, and when any show um, has been around for a while and gets a backlog, people who want to find a way in might look at that and be like, oh my god, 60 episodes or 100 episodes, where do I start? And they kind of freeze. So do you have like one or two or three episodes that you usually recommend for new listeners who want to find a way in? Well, it's funny. I, I think I think there are different podcast listener personality
0: types I'm a purist so when I find a show I go to episode one
2: Mm -hmm. and then I
0: I, I go through it that way Um, unless it's like hundreds of episodes and then I I might pick and choose you know who who, which interviews I want to listen to which guests that kind of thing the caveat that I give people about my show is if you're starting from the beginning, prepare yourself for a show that starts out rough and matures over time. <laughs> um, like like we talk about the technical difficulties. Episode one was was not my finest, um, what, 18 minutes or whatever. <laughs> um, they, they get longer. They get a bit more structured and a lot more polished. Um, some people think that's good. Some people think that's bad. Um, around episode eight, I bring in sponsor ads, but I always put them at the end of the episode. They never get in the way. Um, and the audio quality and production um, all get better over time. So, like, if you want to go on that journey of watching the show grow up, you know, yeah. the the montage of seeing the kid become a man, um, start at episode one and listen on your way up. But if you are the pick and choose kind of person, and that's cool, because Lore's it's all anthology, right? You can listen right. to whatever story you want, no orders. Um, I always tell people to go to episode 12. I love Half Hang. It's hmm. this really great true story about how. Folklore and superstition can drive people to destroy other lives and and in this case, there's this Wonderful ending to how how things played out that that redeem it all and um, I think the Margaret Atwood co- uh, connection is great and um, It's it's just one of my I yeah. loved writing it. I loved I loved I've, I've done it live a number of times. I, it's it's a it's a favorite of mine. Yeah.
2: I remember that episode. It was really good. <laughs> and I I just, for anybody listening, I started at episode one and just went through. And it's, it's, I don't binge very many things, but that's, it's one of those things that it's it's binge worthy. And, you know, it's it's also just the right length. You know, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Any story doesn't outstay its welcome. So if, if one story doesn't quite do it for you, if it's just not scratching whatever right. itch you're yep. looking for. Twenty minutes later, it's going to be over, and you're going to be on to something else. And that odds are that next episode is going to be, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for. But I started with episode one and went through. And like you said, watching, I appreciate watching shows grow up. And I think you're being a little bit too hard on yourself. I don't think that you started out that rough. (laughs) Um, But uh, but yeah, the journey is definitely worth it, and all of the episodes are worth listening to. So I highly recommend it. Thanks. Aaron thank you so much for your time this has just been amazing um I'm really looking forward oh, to the show to and the books and everything that's coming down the pike it's going to be really awesome
0: thanks I really appreciate that thanks for having me on it's been good chat
1: there's something I wanted to say after and I can't remember what it was Ugh, of course
2: all right
1: yeah 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 whatever your diatribe ruined it oh god I'm sorry I'm joking You gotta tell me to shut up, man. Some spooky music to cue us back out would be good too. I think that we should have did this episode full on, like have had a story right at the start. Like one of us wrote a story. I don't know. I don't know how good it would have been, but a folk story, mythical story about how our podcast began. Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna stop. So that was such a fun interview, and I love to see people, um, who have just been creating for many years. And he was, you know, he mentioned that, you know, he, this was the thing that stuck. You know, you don't see all of like, you don't see all of the times where you throw stuff out there, and it's like, yeah. No one listened to that. <laughs> no one cared. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he's finally having his time where this is what is working for him, and you know that's that's exciting as a create as a creator of content online. I think that that's a that's a fun thing, and it gives me a little hope, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I like I appreciate that he also is sort of down to earth about it. You know, he's yeah. like, listen, I everybody asks me for advice or how I did it, he's like, I don't know, like I I just. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing when I started. The first few yeah. episodes sound terrible. I just set myself up in my room with a cardboard box. You know, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm figuring it out as I go. I don't know what the recipe for success is. It just, I happen to be lucky, you know, and I happen to provide something that a few people wanted and then word of mouth spread it like wildfire.
1: Right, you know, think- and, and it, it seems to be that's the way it happens. Like people, you just if you're a content creator or you're someone that's creative and writes, whatever, whatever you do, just keep doing it, even, even if it seems like there's no hope and you're at a, at a wall. Just, just write, or just you know make something, and you never know what's gonna you're gonna throw it out there and what's gonna be hit as a home run. You never know what people are gonna latch that's onto. Right. It could be something ridiculous, and, you, and you're right. just like, that's what people like. What, <laughs> like, <laughs> and then you run with it and yeah. you make more of it. <laughs> that's
2: right. Good advice, Aramis. <laughs> mr Connor is good that's good good what advice. i've learned
1: from talking to successful people so <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll be interviewed on a podcast oh we can only dream <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thank you so much for coming back every single week if you do if you don't why aren't you huh i'm gonna badger Yeah, you. seriously what's up what's up with that yeah i don't know i don't know but you can subscribe to our podcast, and you can get it every single week. We do release once a week, sometimes twice a week, and then you can also talk to us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast, and you can also talk to me at 140 Justin C. Your day will be made, I promise. Ooh, and then ooh, that's a big promise. That Maybe is a I big promise. promise <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't. You may get a mediocre response. There you just go. Say that. Keep expectations
2: low. I like that.
1: Yeah, keep set the bar low, and then you can always over deliver. <laughs> That's my motto. That's right. And, That's and right. you can also talk with Jamie, the ro- the robot looking guy.
2: <laughs> Not, yeah, I'm at the Roarbots, um, oh. and uh, you know where whatever bar Justin set, lower it for me, and
1: we'll be <laughs> lower it for me. Alright guys, we're having too much fun Alright, we will see you next time right here on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast Take care This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at Patreon.com geekdad